0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Uh, not a great weekend, right? Oh, boy. Uh, I was watching the Indians game today for a bit before I had to go do some yard work. Uh, I got to see the one run that was scored. I uh, said so that was something. At least I got to see that. But if you were not watching the game at home, there were two interesting tidbits I have to talk about that they came up in terms of statistics, which was both of these occurred in the fourth inning, the inning where they did score. The Indians had gone 1-2-3 in eight of their last 11 innings, uh, just to point out the futility, and they had not had back-to-back hits since uh, Francisco Lindor's home run 28 innings ago. This is not a good Minnesota team in terms of pitching either that the Indians faced this weekend. It is a mediocre to not good Minnesota team in terms of pitching. And the Indians made it look like they were facing uh, four Cy Young candidates. It was embarrassing to watch. In terms of the Indians' own offensive performance, I mean, yes, it is the early goings of the season. Uh, FanGraphs does do this overall ranking. Uh, and again, it's a small sample size and early going. Jose Ramirez, seventeenth ranked in terms of uh, offensive production amongst all baseball players. Next highest ranking Lindor at fifty-seven, Santana at one hundred and three, and then uh, Domingo. Sa- no, I'm sorry, Bradley Zimmer at one hundred and fifty-four, Domingo Tano one eighty-nine. I skipped Cesar Hernandez at one forty-eight. Uh, not great. You you really don't want guys that low uh, through your entire lineup. And over the last seven days, you have jose ramirez seven francisco lindor 37 124 for bradley zimmer and everyone uh 119 for carlos Santana and everyone else in the 200s or later uh we talked about oscar mercado and how he is incredibly streaky and there's reasons to be nervous about his production this year and so far that has been the case we'll see if that continues to occur um you know cesar hernandez was let go for a reason as well uh We'll see how that continues to play out. I think my most disheartening is Fran Mel Reyes, and that's just because I was a big fan of his before they acquired him, and it so far just, you know, he didn't perform super well down the stretch last year. And so far this year, again, small sample size, weird season, early going, but he's not performing uh, super well here, and the thought process was, oh, he'll leave San Diego and perform even better than he's done. Uh, Hopefully. They didn't buy high. You know, one of those situations where uh, that they got Fran Mel Reyes at the height of his value. Because when you look at the rest of that deal, like Logan Allen and Scott Moss, your second and third pieces really, depending on how much you want to count Yasiel Puig and what he uh, contributed to the, the team a year ago, where he was more of an average bat. And your other piece, Victor Nova, uh, ...wasn't put on the 60-man... ...where they put a lot of other young players on... ...he's not really a top 20 prospect... ...he's kind of a a flyer type... ...occasionally those work out... ...occasionally they don't... ...but in general... uh, ...as an Indians fan... ...they need Fran Mill... ...to be more of the player he's been in San Diego... ...than he's been in Cleveland... Uh, ...just pulling up his statistics here... ...and if you know... ...you don't remember... ...the reason I'm pulling these up... ...is specifically to talk about last year's production in Cleveland which was... Oh, it's not split. Give me one second here. So after he came over across the board, his numbers dropped. Uh, 237, 304, 468. He had been 255, 314, 536. His home run rate, uh, also, it went from one every little under 12 to one over a little over 17. So you're thinking maybe it's just an adjustment period. And then the scariest thing about all that is... His bat pip in San Diego was low, it was 268. That's below where it should be. That showed he was being unlucky with that production. Came to Cleveland, his bat pip was 301. That showed that he was lucky with his production. Now, when you go back to his rookie year, which was 87 games, and he was just bonkers uh, 280, 340, 498, that production, the average was higher, but his slugging was much higher the next year. He had 27 home runs in 99 games. He ended up with 37 total on the season a year ago. He seemed like someone who should have 40 home run power pretty easily, especially leaving San Diego. We just haven't seen that yet. So that's why I think, for me, Fran Mo Reyes' his performance is the most disheartening. Just He, he didn't come to camp in shape. Uh, he didn't show up to play the outfield properly. And, I mean, statistically, he has been a better outfielder than Domingo Santana over his career. Domingo Santana is just a disaster in the outfield. Domingo Santana is an all-day DH Franmil Reyes was not a good outfielder, but he was better than Domingo Santana. When Franmil came to camp, uh, he did not look like he had spent any time, you know, doing footwork or going over it. And, you, you, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and disparage anyone, but you do worry about preparation for the weird season. And hopefully uh, he'll start to turn it around. But, you know, Mercado was always going to be streaky. Left field was always going to be weird um, with Luplo being hurt as he was and not getting the reps he needed in preparation for camp. I mean, he's been a disaster this year. Remember, he was a disaster out of the gate last year as well, so we will see if he can turn it around. Uh, I did not understand Mike Freeman playing today. Uh, We're facing like the one lefty and Smelter that they have uh, outside of Rich Hill, and that's when you put in Freeman. Uh, It seemed like the perfect opportunity to go with one of your right-handed bats. Just gonna double check that. Was watching me be hundred percent wrong, but I am pretty sure Devin Smeltzer is a lefty. Uh, you'd think I'd remember how he threw in the game, but uh, let's see. Smeltzer, yeah, he's a lefty. Okay, double checked it. I was correct. So I don't, I don't understand using Freeman today of all days, but yeah, I mean they looked awful. Um, yeah, the pitching wasn't quite up to the level it had been, but at the end of the day, the performance we saw here—you can't blame the pitching. this was just the offense being awful Uh, there's no good way to, there's no good spin outside of hey Jose Ramirez somehow managed to stay good during this time that's about the only positive spin you can take from it Um, other than that yeah I just it was a frustrating weekend to be an Indians fan on pretty much every level (laughs) I delayed recording this podcast I was so frustrated it's (laughs) it's past 2 in the morning my time because I just found other things to do. Uh, you know. Luckily, I teach, so summer means I can have odd hours. I still have to do up early when my kid wakes up. But I didn't want to talk about the Indians. It was a weekend that made you not want to talk about the Cleveland Indians after they dropped all of those games. Uh, so, yeah, they have the Reds on deck. We're going to discuss the Reds, uh, do kind of that matchup showdown on the second half of the show. But I don't have much to say about the Twins, except for the offense needs to step up in big ways against... Uh, teams like this the I I don't feel like there's a whole lot of players I trust right now in that offense and just it's a big reminder of how things started last year this is a team that starts slow they can't afford to take two months to get things together like it took them last year Uh, if you do that your season's done and frankly uh, even if things go smoothly which as we know nothing has gone smoothly in this baseball season uh, with the Cardinals are probably going to have to go on lockdown, like the Marlins just did. So that's uh, just gonna. Everything's gonna get crazy. But I mean, at the end of August is a very likely time to trade Francisco Lindor. So if they don't get together in two months, it's going to make that decision a lot easier. What's going to make your life a lot easier is Postmates. We have had them as a sponsor before on this show, so you know how Postmates work. They bring you what you need when you need it, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. It could be fast food. It could be your groceries. It could be something from the local convenience store. and Especially in these times of social distancing, uh, I know when they come to my apartment building, you see them with their masks on, dropping things off. It's uh, always done very appropriate for the time, and it's a perfect time to use their service. So, you're going to want to download that Postmates app, and when you go into the Postmates app, you're going to use the promo code locked on, no space, one word, locked on in the app, and that's going to give you $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. Go wild, try it out. Postmates, download the app, use that promo code locked on. We do have one minor move to discuss. Uh, in terms of the Indians, that James Hoyt, who they took off the uh, 40-man roster uh, in some of their recent, you know, juggling, was claimed by the Marlins. And since the Marlins claimed him, uh, you know, the Marlins have claimed a lot of players because they are, uh, a, you know, a disaster show right now. I could use some not so nice words, uh, but they are a disaster show. We shall say. They claimed, it the Indians worked out a minor trade, exchanged for cash considerations. We never know exactly what that means or how much it is. I don't think it's probably a ton. I mean, it's a ton, and probably to you and myself, uh, probably more than most of us make in a year. But to a baseball team, I bet it's kind of a smaller figure, probably not even enough to cover a, a minimum salary. But uh, Hoyt is out. They liked him enough uh, in the offseason to put him right back on the 40-man and negotiate with him. So it's a little bit surprising to see that choice made. But uh, it was made. He is a Marlin. The Marlins need players. That's all we really have to say about that right now. Cincinnati Reds. Uh, This is a team with big aspirations that went out and made big moves to get uh, some talent and we're very active in free agency. They're a really interesting team. Let's just talk about it. Let's do our head-to-head, as it were. I was kind of surprised to see that uh, Shogo Akiyama is still listed as their left fielder. I thought for sure he would get some time in center. If you listen to this podcast, I was a big fan of his. I thought the Indians should try to roll the dice on him in uh, free agency. He hasn't been that great, to start the year, if I'm being honest. Uh He's been okay, uh, he, and he was not someone who cost a lot. I remember he was three years, 21 million. He was kind of one of the big sleepers for not just myself, but a lot of people. But uh, 211, 286, 263, so I, I guess by saying he's been okay, I should really say he's been pretty awful. Um, when you look at the left field comparison, it's, man... Who, who's worse? Like That's that's a, a loaded question at this point with the way Akiyama's played and the way that Cleveland has played um, with their left-field platoon. I think just because you have Bradley Zimmer as part of that platoon right now, and he's arguably one of the Indians' better bats, you give the Indians the advantage here. Um, so we move on to right field. Nick Castellanos, on the other hand, uh, basically is a one-year rental for the Reds. And he was... Always an okay player in Detroit, but never quite lived up to some of his prospect hype. And then we got traded to the Cubs, he took off. And he's playing quite well out of the gate for the Reds, looking to hopefully make himself some money this offseason. We'll see how that works out with kind of the craziness of of everything. But uh, with the way he is playing, that is a clear advantage to the Reds. Uh, I know I'm not doing my normal order of operations here. Um, I have roster resources open. I'm just kind of looking at the players' names, and hopping back and forth. Mike Moustakis. Now, this this is a tricky one, because offensively, clear advantage. Reds, uh, he has always outperformed uh, Cesar Hernandez. But as a second baseman, I mean, he struggled a bit defensively as a third baseman, uh, where Hernandez is a pretty good defender. Uh, I mean, if you combine them together, that's a heck of a player. Hernandez's defense with Moustakis' offense. Moustakis' offense is you know, significantly better than Hernandez, but Hernandez defense is significantly better than Mustakis. And I guess, and there's two ways of looking at it. It's just a push or that, uh, at least Hernandez is an above average offensive player, typically. And, you know, a, a above average plus defender where Moustakas is an above average to plus bat and a below average defender. Uh, I'm going to give it a push. Uh, maybe I'm not being fair enough to say Hernandez, but he also hasn't played particularly great out of the gate. And uh, Moose has been pretty good when healthy. He has had some issues with uh, illness and injury out of the gate. But I think that is an area that is a push. So we are currently all tied up through three positions. Eugene, I'm going to butcher his name. Eugenio Suarez at third base. Uh, you know, there's always those guys who get away from teams and you have to come back and regret it later. Him getting away from Detroit has to be a kick in the to, uh to Tigers fans. Maybe not quite on the Fernando Tatis to White Sox fans level, but uh, pretty close. I mean, Suarez has a ridiculously team-friendly contract. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball. Solid defender at third. Was a shortstop, I believe, when the Reds first acquired him. So far this year, Jose Ramirez has been the better player. Suarez, you could make a case, is right there. Could be considered better in some lights than uh, than Jay Ram. It's been a bit of a push, but in this situation where Ramirez is playing so, so well... Uh, I think that's advantage Indians. Moving to DH, Jess Winkler versus Franmo Reyes. (laughs) Both guys have been bad. Um, There's no good way to put that. They've just both underperformed so far this year. Winkler is not playing well. Reyes is not, or yeah, Reyes is not playing well. Reyes is actually playing slightly better than Winkler, I want to say in terms of production at the DH position because uh, Winkler, just to give you an idea on his line so far this year, in his 22 plate appearances, he has a 118, 318, 118 for a runs created plus of 49. So, oddly, uh, advantage Indians at DH after everything I said earlier. So that gives the Indians a two-zero lead. Center field, Sensel versus Mercado. Uh, I'm going to push this. Sensel has outperformed him with the bat. I still don't think that's a strong defensive position for him. I'm still kind of surprised that they're having him play center. We'll see how that plays out. I've talked about how he kind of tanked his stock a little bit last year. So we, uh, with his lack of production, we've seen so many young kids step right up and perform, and that has not been the case here, uh, unfortunately, for Sensel. But uh, I, I, don't trust the, I don't trust him as a center fielder defensively. Mercado, you know, the upside is defense, never slumps. So... Push two O Indians first base. Josh Van Meter is projected to play. Um, the reason for that is, you know, going down to their injury list is is Vado is out with illness, uh, dreaded illness. Now it's just illness. Normally this has like COVID when it's COVID, but he is there. Um, one of their kind of two big injuries on the the injury list. At least from my perspective, we'll talk about the other one in a bit. So, without Vado, they have a decent bench. Matt Davidson's gotten in quite a few games. Uh, Arrestus Aquino, we talked about his performance a year ago. Kind of surprised he's not getting more at bats. Philip Irvin's a former first round pick. I always like Travis Jankowski. Uh, Kirk Casilli is a solid backup catcher. But at this point in time, uh, Santana is performing okay. Not to his level of a year before, but he has still been better than Josh Van Meter. So, that's a 3 0 advantage. Indians, shortstop. Uh, Galvis is playing really well. Uh, Playing really well out of the gate so far, but uh, still advantage Indians. So that gives you a 4-0. And uh, Tucker Barnhart is not great. He is passable, but there are reasons why the Reds were thought to be kind of a favorite to get Yasmani Grandel in the offseason. It just made a lot of sense with their needs Um, and with the fact that we thought they were going to be active in free agency. Uh, he gets the job done, but again, it's a position that they are likely looking to improve upon when they can. Uh, without Roberto Perez, though, that is an advantage to the Reds. I would take Barnhart over what the Indians have, so that gives the Indians a 3-0 lead. Starting pitching. So, Sonny Gray has been really good this year. Trevor Bauer has been really good this year. Luis Castillo has been really good this year. I've always liked Tyler Molly, but... Uh, He's been okay. Solid arm. He's going to appear in this uh, upcoming series. Uh, Anthony Descalfini has been hurt. And then the other big injury we, we have to talk about is Wade Miley, who was one of those guys that went out gave a significant amount of money to. He would have been projected to start this Thursday start against the Indians. Uh, he's done for, I think, at least a month with the strain groin, if not longer. It's, it's a big blow for the Reds, just because, again, there's not any pitching to be found. Uh, there's nothing in free agency. There's nothing to really locate. I mean, in on their own team, Cody Reed, Lucas Sims, maybe Brooks uh, Riley. these are guys that can try to stretch out and see if they can fill that spot for them uh, amongst their top prospects. There's no one really close uh, in terms of helping them pitching-wise. Their top pitching guys are all A-ball. So, yeah, it's it's a, one of those things where they can't really replace what they lost. Um, Miley is not a spectacular pitcher, but he is a solid steady guy and who's been solid and steady for a lot of years now. This is an interesting situation. the the Reds have done so much over the last few years to improve their coaching. They went out and you know I've talked to a lot of guys over the years who were minor league pitchers in the red system, and it was a disaster. I feel like I'm using disaster too much in this podcast, but they had no idea how to develop pitching. That's why another guy in their injured list, Robert Stevenson, a uh, former top 100 guy, always had control problems, and they never did anything to fix it. And I'm trying to think of the other, you know, uh, Amir Garrett was a starter when he came up, quickly shifted to the pen because, again, problems with control. And there were some other guys who moved quickly through that system. There were pitchers that... They had noticeable flaws, but there was very little work done to improve it. Uh, very little in-depth approaches taken. It was all very old school, and that just didn't work. And that's why when guys came to Cleveland, that's why when Scott Moss makes the statements he did, uh, it didn't surprise me. And it's why they went out and added a bunch of driveline people this past offseason and the miners to work on the problems like that. Um, I'm blanking on their pitching coach, but he did a phenomenal job a year ago with helping guys like Luis Castilla develop and Sonny Gray rebound, because if you remember when they got him from the Yankees before the 2019 season, his stock was about as low as it could get, and so far this year, you look at the uh, the rating system on Fangraphs, number two, uh, he has been really strong out of the gate, he's coming off a great year, a year ago, uh, should open the Indians one I almost feel like is one Bieber who's just been absolutely unbelievable so far this year yeah he's one okay so that uh Zach Plesak side note after his start five so just keep that in mind uh Crasco 21 Clevenger 82 uh Saval I can never say his name right AC is uh 36 so it's interesting there uh Clevenger y- you worry a little bit um what's going on with him because he was so close to Bauer and how much of his development he thanked Bauer for. So you just want to hope that none of this is regression because his buddy isn't there to help him when uh, things get a little out of whack. If you were curious so far this year, Sonny Gray, two starts, went six and a, averaging six and a third. His strikeouts per nine are over 14, with a walk per nine barely over two. So. Yeah, now his bat pip's at 150. That's completely unsustainable. That will come up. But even things like his FIP is 1.89. You know, his ERA is 0.71. Now, he's not the, as good as that shows, but those, those are pretty phenomenal. So when you look at this series, Sonny Gray versus Zach, please act tomorrow. That's advantage Reds in that game. Uh, Tyler Molly, Shane Bieber, advantage Indians. Luis Castillo versus Mike Clevenger, advantage Reds. Uh, Reds. I don't know why I had so much problems there. And they're saying that uh, TJ Antone is projected. I don't think we've named that Thursday starter. That's who they have kind of filling in that spot. First, Carlos Carrasco. Advantage Indians over whoever they can pull into that slot. I don't think they'll have Bauer pitch uh, early. He, he, he would pitch. Uh, he's their Friday starter on the current uh, progression. I think they'll find someone to fill in uh, rather than have Bauer pitch on short rest. Uh... TJ Anton was a fifth-round pick back in 2014 by the Reds. Uh, I was not super familiar with him. I don't really remember him, to be honest. Uh, I guess I don't remember all the draft picks. Uh, but that's who could be in there. So you're looking at, I mean, if it's hard to guess with the way the bats are and the way this team is playing right now uh, after this past week. But a 2-2 split is what I would project is the likely outcome. Right now, rotation to rotation, you line them up, it's advantage reds. So it was 4-3. You know, how much do we do? want to weigh starters this is a two-point thing. So that makes it a uh, all of a sudden the Indians have a one-point advantage. Then you go to the pen. Um, their pen has not been particularly great this year. But uh, Rasel Iglesias, Amir Garrett, Pedro Stroop has a history of success. Michael Lorenzen, Uh, I'm curious to see what they can do with Nate Jones this year. He's always had good stuff. Uh, It's a good environment for him to be in. I'd give the Reds the advantage. So I consider this whole series really almost a toss-up. It's uh, very tight. And the problem right now is the Indians' biggest advantage are uh, their hitters. Yes, laugh at that. Uh, They do have, currently, because the Reds are also struggling, uh, more offense than the Reds. So this is going to be a big pitcher's weekend. This is going to be just guys shutting people down left and right. I am most excited for Monday's game. Uh, I'm curious to see Sonny Gray because of how good he has been so far. And I'm curious to see if Zach Plesac can follow up on his performance from a week ago. Uh, what are other people's thoughts? What else do you want to hear me talk about this week? This is the Monday show, so we have lots of room to talk. These podcasts have been running long just because... Uh, we finally have baseball to talk about, and I want to talk about it as much as we can before anything might happen that could disrupt this season. I've been Jeff Ellis. You've been my fantastic audience. Remember that rating and reviewing always helps us uh, anywhere you go, any place you do it, specifically iTunes, but uh, anywhere that is very helpful. And as always, go Tribe!